Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership. Join us to explore lessons in leadership that demonstrate how you can live in the center of God's will. All right, here we are, season three. I'm excited Ooh. to have Cassie Snow on the show today, one of my favorite people of all time. Thank you. And uh, so Cassie and I have the privilege of working together here at Hebron. Uh, Cassie is the director of our special education and enrichment here at Hebron. And uh, you've got a big job and a job that is constantly changing. Yes, it's a good job. Yeah. yeah. So since since we first met each other, we've been kind of talking about this idea of God-sized dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, what the Enrichment Center looks like now. Great. Um, what that education looks like for students with some with some fairly light uh, mm -hmm. academic challenges. And then what the next big vision and dream is, which has some big dollar signs behind it <laughs> and can be mildly terrifying. Um <laughs> But that's exactly kind of the place where God wants us, right? Yes. Is that when we feel like we've exceeded our mm -hmm. own power, then we have to rely upon him. And so we're going to talk a lot about those things. Awesome. Um, I would love to be able to just hear a little bit from you uh, and so that you can share with folks who are listening on how you came to Hebron. Can you tell us a little bit about, oh. about how God crafted <laughs> yes. that story? It's a really fun story. So uh, prior to coming to Hebron, I had actually stepped out of administration and was teaching at my children's elementary school. Um, I was doing just some small group teaching for reading and for math and had my kiddos there with me. I kind of joke that I had just kind of... Um, you know, settled. I'd taken a, a comfortable, a comfortable spot, something that I knew well and something that was easy for us and for our family. And I get a call from a longtime friend of mine, Hannah Gray. She and I are best friends. We oh, met in college. Yeah. Yes, she is a powerhouse. Um, we met in college and ever since, so we're going on over 20 years now, have been best friends. And I get a call from Hannah that says, hey, Cassie, um, Hebron, which she had uh, at that time been at Hebron for about a year, uh, Hebron is looking to develop their special education program, and the Lord just keeps bringing you to my heart. And I'll never forget the phone call. I said, oh, Hannah, that is so good for Hebron. <laughs> Click. I'm so proud of Hebron. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, very similarly, she calls again and shares with me about what she's doing. And it was the third phone call when she says, Cass, she got a little bit more forward and said, Cassie, I really want you to, to come and just meet with us. Just come and meet Dr. Taylor and hear about the next step in the vision that Hebron has for their enrichment program and special needs. And so it wasn't until that third phone call that I actually shared this with my husband, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I remember sharing with him and saying, hey, Hannah has given me a call. But, you know, we're, we're comfortable, right? Like, life is really settled and good right now. And his response, uh, I expected him to confirm, you know, what I had just spoken out. But his response was an immediate, Cassie, you go. And you have the conversation. And he just reaffirmed, you know, if you think about divine relationships and connections, Hannah Gray was a friend of mine and her character and her integrity and uh, her voice in my life had been long time proven. And he said, you go, you show up. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll go have a conversation and maybe it'll turn into like some consulting. <laughs> you know, um, We'll just stay comfortable here where we are at. And um, so I followed a scary yes to show up. 
Um, and this, the rest is history. I showed up, met with you and with your team. And as you shared the vision, and I believe that we got to know one another, um, it became very clear that the position that was before me was one that really was a combination of my passion and my skill sets and sort of my experience. You know, we joke, I remember in our first interview together, which I didn't know was an interview. Um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of tricky like that. <laughs> in our first interview together, you said, well, the first half of your job, and you started describing the enrichment program and how you wanted it to develop. And so you described uh, that piece of our, our program, and I immediately thought, okay, I have some experiential knowledge here. Yes, like I, I can pour into that. And you said, and then the second portion of the job is going to be the creation and development of our special needs school. And I thought, hmm, no experiential knowledge there, but certainly a passion and a heart. And I remember saying to you, well, the first half of the job, I think I've got, I I think I've got some knowledge for the second half. It's going to be a new road. And you still looked across the table and said, we believe you're the woman for the job. So God has placed me here. And, um, and truly the whole journey has been uh, a walk of trust and a walk of faith. Um, so immediately after leaving Hebron's campus and returning back home and sharing with Ryan about uh, that first interview together, um, we really began to actively pray about what this would look like. And if you think about it logistically, it meant a family of six, you know, four young children moving, um, moving schools, moving churches, moving homes, moving soccer teams and dance teams. And that, as a mom of four young kids, mm-hmm. was a really, uh, you know, somewhat overwhelming Right, that's um, a complex idea. shift. Not an easy just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it wasn't one that um, I was prepared for. You asked me, you said, is this something that God has already kind of been stirring in your heart that change was coming? And um, the answer to that was no. It actually was a a real interruption to where I was currently and what I thought the next few years of our life were going to Mm -hmm. look like. Um, And so that actually became one of our prayer points was, Lord, is this a distraction or a divine interruption? And We just called upon what we knew historically to do, and that was to pray. And my dad had always taught our family, he he would say, we're deciding to decide. And we would set a time frame and we would spend, you know, 30 days or however many weeks praying about something. And while we were praying, speaking to family about it, speaking to wise counsel, seeking the scripture, seeking the word. And so we started that. And one of the, that overarching question of, is this, is this a distraction or a divine interruption? And, and my personal question was, Lord, do you, do you interrupt? Like, do you move in this way um, when something wasn't expected? And so, of course, he showed me in scripture time and time and time again, Jonah, Mary, Noah, Paul, David, encounters in the Bible where, where, People's lives were completely interrupted, and they were interrupted because of obedience to God and his plans and his kingdom work. And so simply because of what we found in prayer and in scripture, we said yes. But it was still a very scary yes because you couldn't see. Mm -hmm. I thought, 
well, surely if I could just see what life would look like in 10 years, if I choose path A, and then if I could see what the path looked like, if I choose path B, you know, if we could just see ahead, what does this mean for my children specifically? And I couldn't see, you know, I couldn't see. I'm, I'm so intrigued with, with kind of how does God work in our lives and how does he direct our path? In many cases, we can look backwards and in hindsight, we can see this kind of line to see where God was preparing us and directing us, where you kind of get this light bulb moment later on and you go, aha, like yes. that's exactly what God was doing. Yes. But in your situation, you're saying like there weren't those hindsight preparation pieces. Not this on was the front just end. A, the faithfulness yeah, of listening to God. Yes. And it was, Fascinating. A, it was a true, true step um, of faith. In fact, mm-hmm. while we were praying, of course we were, talking to our children about this process. And once we had made the decision, talking to them about that and preparing their hearts and the Lord had laid on our heart for our kids, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will direct your path. And we literally talked about it every day. We prayed about it. We poured that into their hearts. And so we said, we can trust that God is going before you. He's going to prepare a teacher for you. He's going to prepare a home. He's going to prepare a a church for us. He's going to prepare a community. And on the back end, I was thinking, okay, Lord, are you really going to do that? That's right. You need to do all these things, Lord. That's right. (laughs) You know, And, and, and of course, came to the revelation of, of course, you're mm-hmm. going to do all of that. And yes, we can trust you. There are such essential like lessons for lives in our stories. And, and I just, I want to make sure that I point out that lesson that when, when you are seeking God's will, when you are seeking God's direction actively mm-hmm. from a spiritual perspective, not just a selfish perspective, yes. which I think we all have to measure and govern in our lives, even on our very best days, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you, you did some really important pieces there where one, you sought wise counsel of others. Mm-hmm. Two, you sought the direction of, of God's word, where you, you dug into God's yes. word. And then three, you prayed individually and corporately. Yes. And I think th- those three steps are so integral to the idea of understanding what it is to be directed in your life mm-hmm. by the creator of the universe. Good. Like, I'm, I'm still amazed by that, and I think that's beautiful. You quoted that section of Scripture out of Proverbs chapter 3, and I, I do like the idea that, that in your translation, it is submit to mm. him. In a lot of translations, it's acknowledge him, oh, and he will direct good. your path. But I do, I actually like submit better, <laughs> because acknowledge is like, okay, you're there, God, I acknowledge you. But submit is, I'm giving, it in, right. I'm giving my path over to your that's way. Right. And, and I, I actually really like that translation with submit, uh, and, then, and then he's going to direct our path. And so um, you made that leap. I mean, you, you made that big jump. Uh, you have a, a, faithful, <clears throat> a faithful and godly husband who agreed to have a very long commute yes. to work. Yes. Uh, and so he kept his, his original job. It's really quite amazing. We, we really talk about it often, and, and he will share. He, he so believed in in me and in the direction that God had for our family to be here at Hebron 
to where he has said, I'm willing to serve our family in this way. And even when we were moving locationally, just to speak locationally for a moment, we looked at finding uh, somewhere that was much closer to his job. He mm-hmm. has a two-hour commute. And so we're thinking, okay. Two-hour well, commute, one way. One way. <laughs> one way, everybody. <laughs> yes. yes. So we, we talked about, well, maybe the kids and I will, you know, drive 30 minutes, and that'll bring yours down to about an hour 20. And um, the Lord had other plans. <laughs> and, and, and we found a home literally a mile here from Hebron School. And Ryan said to me, he said, Cassie, I want to serve my family in this way. I do not mind adding the additional miles to me to know that my kids and my family, they're settled and we have our community. And then when I'm coming home, I'm coming right home to our community, whether it's the kids' ball games here at Hebron. Um, He just saw it and he was willing to make that sacrifice. It's not very often um, that you see that. And um, that's just who he is to the core of who he is. And very, very thankful for that. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat that when we, when we are choosing to be faithful, it doesn't mean that that's always going to be a perfectly smooth road. That's right. That our faithfulness will oftentimes still involve sacrifice. Yes. And uh, oftentimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. almost all the time, <laughs> yes. you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's very rarely when God's directing us. And, and also when God, and I, I believe this with my whole heart in our setting, I believe that God has absolutely enormous plans that, that even though we're both dreamers by nature, mm-hmm. um, I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface on, on what the Lord ha- has for us. Uh, so I don't, I don't exactly know what tomorrow is going to be, but I know that my best preparation for tomorrow is to be faithful today. That's right. And so that's what we're just going to keep doing 365 days a year, you <laughs> yes. know, is we're going to try to be faithful today and ready for tomorrow. That's right. Um, and then to allow his, the, the grandiosity of his plans to be lived out. Uh, as just simply an exercise of our faithfulness and his faithfulness in our lives, you know, which is, which is beautiful. Yes, you know, it is. It is. I, I love this idea too, of the divine interruption. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you phrase that for your kids? Is that a lesson that you're teaching your kids? Like, is that, have you lived that out loud oh, for your children as well? The whole way. And really that was modeled to me by my own parents. I came from a Christian home. Um, really even saying that sometimes it, sounds maybe a little bit too generic um, to describe what our home looked like, but very faithful um, mother and father of God. Mm-hmm. And they modeled that for us as a family. So in every decision that my family made growing up, my parents talked out loud about the things they were praying about, mm-hmm. invited us as children into the process. Uh, they were both um, powerhouses and they were visionaries as well. And so I had that model um, growing up. And I mean, we joke, we, we would have uh, family meetings. And I was like, well, our family meetings look a little bit different than my <laughs> friends. Like we're bringing out the PowerPoint. We're looking at the 10-year plan. <laughs> we're praying about it actively over everyone's lives. Um, and so that was, it, it was a foundation of who I was. And so, um, so that is also how Ryan and I lead our family. And uh, we really, we, we really, even you asking, did I even use the phrase divine interruption? Yes. Even though our kids are younger, uh, our oldest is stepping into middle school next year. Our youngest is going into first grade. Um, 
so when we were moving, they were they were even younger. But yes, we used those phrases um, and we actively shared with them that God would reveal to their hearts as well. And we believed that. And he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they oftentimes came with wisdom to the table um, to share. And we don't shy away from that. But just modeling the thinking, modeling the prayer, modeling the process. Um, because I also think that that is a source of, of their security mm-hmm. and a source of their faith building as well um, to speak about that. Such a huge parenting lesson. Because I, I grew up in a very similar se- setting where my parents really... They allowed us to be a part of the big discussions. We never felt like decisions were foisted upon us. Uh, we felt like we were an active part of it. Now, if they really felt sure. like it was God's will, they're <laughs> still going to go. You That's know? right. That's right. Uh, but, you know, growing up in a home where where that was the case, where we, uh, for for us, my dad was a pastor, and so, we, you know, we moved churches. Uh, in our case, you know, during my senior year in high school, uh, we moved countries. And uh, and and that could be that could be rough. If our inspiration for that direction was just parental, that could be a challenge. But when your parents are allowing the inspiration for that transition to be divine, then even as a young kid, you can recognize to see that God's hand is in each of those steps. And what's interesting is from a generational perspective, now your children are going to be able to live that same way. I suspect they're going to strive to parent one day in that same way. My kids are, are decidedly older than yours, and they're both young adults, you know, living life and getting ready. And we've tried to make sure to show them each of their each of our steps is that we've moved around this country quite a bit um, and uh, some really big steps. And yet our kids have grown from that. And now they're Such living an a life where they're willing yes. to surrender their path to Christ. But that has to be modeled and that has to be that has to be taught, you know. We can certainly see that from God's word, but it's helpful when, when they can also see that as parents. And so I really, I, I just, I encourage the listening audience to be able to understand that parenting lesson. It's such a crucial lesson for, for where we're at. All right, so we, let's take you from this transition. We now have found a nice home. Uh, your wonderful husband, Ryan, has agreed to drive two hours one way. Holy <laughs> smokes. Uh, you've got a, you've got a, a just a truckload of kids uh, that's <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a, a, a party every time <laughs> Coming they Coming in on two wheels. Yeah, they're, right. they're, they're hysterical. Um, and now you're in this new environment. Tell me a little bit about uh, how God helped you shape out our enrichment program, which, mm-hmm. which we really had some pretty clear-cut mindset mm-hmm. on uh, what, those, what those kids needed what they deserved, mm-hmm. um, where we even placed them on our campus. Uh, walk me through some of those steps. Yes, absolutely. So when I came to Hebron, uh, the summer that I came was the summer that the new enrichment center um, and STEM center was being built. And so truly coming in as that is breaking ground, which I was so thankful culturally for that vision that you had um, to say that this is priority and to really begin to shift the culture um, of who our students that we serve are and what they are able to do and what they need. And so I really walked into a, a, a dream in the sense of uh, I got to be a part of that visionary process, which is really part of the makeup of who I am. And so being able to start my time here 
uh, in that way was very, very special and unique. Um, when I came, the students that we served uh, were students who largely were successful in the general environment here at Hebron, um, were able to meet the academic standards and rigor, a very high achieving maybe needed some minor accommodations such as extended time. Um, you know, some of our students were, you would think, valedictorian and, um, you know, high, high uh, what, what is the, uh, is it not president's, uh, I'm trying to think of the achievement. Like national status. Merit. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, very, very high achieving students, uh, but that needed some mild accommodations. And so I spent my first year and worked alongside of Kira Culpepper. And um, as she and I worked, she was very gracious in that process to pour into me and to allow me to uh, learn, uh, learn about our students, learn about our, our, our faculty, our staff, just who we were as Hebron. And uh, along that year, I just kept seeing, oh, we can do, we can do more. Uh, there was a population of students that I knew would be successful at Hebron if provided with the, the, the right academic and accommodation support that we weren't currently servicing. And so after my first year of, of being here, we made the decision to expand our program beyond just the offering of accommodations to also be able to hire uh, additional uh, special education certified teachers to be able to also offer academic support. And in that step, we were able to expand through our admissions process who we were able to serve. Um, so we have now expanded that to be able to serve students who may have very high functioning IQ, uh, but may have processing weaknesses or uh, maybe something like dyslexia or um, severe ADHD um, and uh, short-term memory and, and long-term memory difficulties, but that still had the ability to learn and to understand and to produce sure. at high levels. Um, I knew we could do it, and uh, I knew that that could be done with just some minor changes to, to our program and our staffing and uh, what we were able to offer. And so we said yes to that and began to build and in that process, um, we have moved from serving 30 students in our enrichment program and over the course of, uh, really, if you look at it, a scale of about five years, we are now serving over 150 students, K through 12, um, in our enrichment department. And uh, it's, really, it's really quite spectacular. And what's, what's interesting has also been this component as this program has grown um, what I didn't uh, foresee, and I, I think it's interesting that I, I didn't uh, plan, plan for this, so to speak, was the number of students that as we built our program that were already Hebron students at our school that had been just surviving and had needs that had not been shared or disclosed. As they saw the growth of our program and in our enrichment center, um, there were oftentimes of calls People literally knocking on the door or catching me saying, my child has had this need for quite some time. Uh, how can we begin to receive these services? How can we be a part of the Enrichment Center? Which, wow, if you think about culturally, um, to have people asking, how can I be a part of that program? It's unheard of. And it's really a testament to how even, even the literal um, design 
of the center itself and the excellence with which that was done. Um, and so uh, really we just had a, a, that, that number has come both in new students that we have accepted, but a large percentage of that 150 students that we're currently serving were students that were already here, mm. um, but they they were struggling. And so now to be able to add the supports of academic uh, supports through our co-teachers as well as the accommodations that happen in the Enrichment Center, uh, it's been able, it's really been a gift to a lot of those families. Yeah, they thought we were nuts when we were first designing that. Um, I just, I have this pet peeve. One, I don't even like the phrase special ed mm -hmm. uh, because I, I just think that it is it is negative in mm -hmm. intent, I yeah. think a lot of times, yes. and it's certainly in negative in interpretation. Yes. And so we really, at my last school, I started this thing, the enrichment program, and we worked through about 70 different words trying to figure out what it is. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what we feel like. We feel like it's just enrichment. You yes. know, that we're understanding that we learn different ways. Uh, certainly you, you found ways that you learn. I use alliteration when I'm memorizing, like it's just That's a tool, right? right? So it's right. just, it's just a tool that we're using yes. to enrich our, our learning, you and know? We, and we talk about it all the time. We, we love to say learning and thinking differences right. here. And, and that's even grown, uh, that's even grown too, to include students that have medical needs. And you even think about mental health needs with anxiety <clears throat> and uh, depression and, and how sometimes those can be such barriers mm -hmm. to learning and to accessing information. Um, you know, you know, the scope, the scope is broad, but I, I have found it amazing uh when you shift that terminology and you get a true understanding of what we're talking about, just people that learn and think differently. Right. And wow, I mean, even if you think about this podcast alone and, and the, the, those that you have had on, um, you know, for, for different episodes, multiple times I have heard mention of personal learning and thinking right. differences, whether it be ADHD, whether it be dyslexia, right? right? Because they're just people that, that, approach things differently, just like all of us are. We're all uniquely and, right. and differently designed and fashioned and, and for God's purposes. You know, we see a lot of times that our students have a phenomenal ability to problem solve um, because they have, have worked so many years um, to do just that. And so when, when they get out of the confines of a K through 12 education, um, they have such a, an immense ability to think differently, to approach differently, to think fast. You know, you think about decision-making and problem-solving. Um, you know, they, they, they have a unique ability to do that, which, which then develops phenomenal leaders and administrators and entrepreneurs. Um, it's really something that I just am so proud to be a part of because I believe so deeply in my students and in who they are and what they are able to offer our world as a whole. When I was in my 20s and early 30s, I was uh, doing another degree, an educational specialist degree. So I was visiting a lot of different schools for this program called Young Superintendents of America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was out visiting all these schools. And one of, the, one of the odd components that was kind of uniformly true in each location was that they had the, the special education section typically like tucked in a back hall in mm -hmm. some lousy little windowless space. Yes. Uh, and, and, and really the kids end up your kids who are, who are already feeling a little bit behind the eight ball. That's right. And now they're, they're kind of forced to be verified in the yes. fact that they're behind the eight ball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm never, if I ever have the chance, I'm, I'm never going to do that. And so here we, I mean, we re relocated our CFO and our entire business office to be able to place our enrichment center right in the center of campus mm -hmm. 
We took down walls. Yes. We spent a fortune on making it pretty Taj Mahali. Mm -hmm. uh, Kiera Culpepper, uh, mm -hmm. who was then called into the mission field later on, mm -hmm. Bob Cole, our director of facilities, they both just worked their magic yes. on doing an amazing design mm -hmm. uh, with that idea that we wanted this to be the best. Like yes. we, want, we want this to be an area where kids are proud to mm -hmm. come. You know, I almost think like if you're, if you're going to a game and you've got phenomenal tickets and you've got like club access, you yes, know, no, that, really, that, truly. that's, what, you know, you feel <laughs> yes. special because okay. you've got this club access, mm -hmm. like you're walking by the rest of the people, <laughs> you've got the best that's seats right. in the house. And, and really we um, wanted kids to be able to have that kind of a vibe. Like yeah. we wanted it to be something where the kids wanted mm -hmm. to come. And so there's a chandelier hanging from the ceiling and there's, there's different colors used and it is just a great space. And now what it is, is that we've redefined the culture mm -hmm. over these last three years where this isn't something that we have to apologize for, but it's something where other people want to be a yes. part of the program. And so to me, that's such a big step mm -hmm. to making this understandable and digestible so that we grasp, we don't have to learn in the same way. Uh, some of us learn inside the box. Uh, a lot of us learn outside the box. Yes. And, uh, I love some of the studies, even there, they put out studies each year on Fortune 500 companies and a little over 30% of all CEOs, presidents, uh, CFOs, and then typically controlling officers, a little over 30% of those, of those senior level leaders yes. in the most successful companies in America and the world all had special needs. How does that happen? Well, I think that's not by accident is that literally that 35 year old has spent 35 years learning how to solve problems That's in different right. ways because they don't learn in the same way. And the truth of the matter is organizations need to think outside the box. And so those kids almost have a superpower uh, for how to succeed in life in a different way. And we want to, to, to make sure that their K-12 education lets them see that idea that this isn't a deficit. Mm -hmm. This is something uniquely designed mm -hmm. by That's God. Right. And you're going to learn how to use this to, right. to his glory but also for your own power and, and, and really sustaining. So that's been neat. And you've been a huge part of just, of just redefining that. Now you have expanded the program quite a bit um, with some new approaches. Just give us a little nutshell on some of those new approaches mm -hmm. that we're doing. And then we're going to get into the next project. Awesome. So really the, the largest one would be this idea of co-teaching and being able to provide opportunities for students to be within the classroom setting, but to have the support not only uh, of the content teacher, but also to have the strategies of a certified teacher that understands specialized instruction and differentiated um, practices. And so that is a huge culture shift mm -hmm. for a private Christian school right. and really has, has taken, um, it has required open and willing hearts. I can't express gratitude enough um, for our teaching team who has been willing to grow and do something new. If you think about a classroom, a classroom that has been quote unquote yours for a you know, number of years, and then to think of the idea of sharing that space, it's a vulnerable mm -hmm. ask um, to share your space with another adult. Um, most teachers are perfectionists. So you think about the idea of another uh, adult being in the classroom with you. Uh, there are just some natural fears or worry or concern that can come with that. Um, also, our educators are passionate about their subject area. And 
and have creative ideas and how to present that instruction. And so even the idea of sharing that piece, the content and trusting another educator to deliver that um, is, is quite a shift. And I've been so thankful for the communication of our faculty and staff here to express those worries, to express the, their excitements, to express their concerns, to express their wins and their joys, to keep that communication open as we have grown this culture. Because what it allows for in the classroom setting, when you have two teachers that are that are placed in the room specifically for the needs of students, you are able to address needs more frequently. You're able to offer small group instruction, um, direct intervention and support when that is needed, um, as well as differentiated strategies and just being able to collaborate on how can we do uh, do learning differently? How can we show products differently and get the same information across, but that allows our students to shine and to truly show the depth of what they know and understand and are able to do? And um, my team specifically, like I'm just so blessed to have excellent, excellent educators um, who are uh, experts in their field of teaching and in special education and specialized instruction, but also who are trustworthy, um, that have integrity, and that are um, willing to collaborate. We were very intentional um, in the building of our team because we knew that that piece was going to be incredibly important as we built uh, the trust and rapport of our, our school as a whole. And um, just so, so thankful for that, for that process. But that has allowed that additional piece outside of just general accommodations, that extra piece of academic support and being able to walk through to walk students through content in differentiated ways. So the co-taught model is not something that an awful lot of schools are doing no. from a, in a private school, right. particularly a private Christian school mm-hmm. setting. Um, we've made that determination that that is a key component for mm-hmm. our students to succeed. It's vital that success and so it's something that we're going to pursue but it does set up kind of the model for this next big step mm-hmm. and so this next big vision which you know we began this session talking about god-sized dreams this next uh this next idea is a god-sized dream mm-hmm. i mean it, it's yes. just a, a massive task uh, a 20 million dollar project uh that we are hoping to open in two years mm-hmm. um it's going to involve a lot of fundraising. We don't take out debt here as a school. And so it involves a lot of fundraising. It's going to involve a lot of new staff, new hires, facilities, land, just so many different aspects that on the surface, it could kind of make you want to lay in the fetal position and call it a day. Uh, but in this situation, we're, we're really just understanding that God is directing us in this, in this path and we're going to faithfully pursue it. Yes. You know, tell me a little bit about this next big project, um, who we're going to be serving, how this impacts education, not just at Hebron, but also in our area. And mm-hmm. I say that with Decula, but I also say that with Georgia. I, I'm, you know, where I stand on it. That I, I believe this is going to impact Christian education in America, uh, this school. And so, uh, give give us a little nutshell and kind of what we have to look forward to in this next, this next big venture. Yes. So, you know, I think even, even as I'm stepping into sharing about that, it's important to note that anytime that we are embarking on something that is new, um, that is brand new, 
oftentimes fear or the unknown can just keep people and organizations from making decisions and and having forward action. And, um, but God has called us to live in faith. And you think about the definition of faith, you know, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This next step is a call to faith. And it is not just a call um, for one. And it's not just a call that was given to one. Um, God has been working on the hearts of his people, people who are open to receive revelation from him regarding these next steps from, from administration to community members, to board members, to teachers, to faculty, to staff, to our parents and our families. I think specifically about the Kivit family who was willing to, to invest in something that had not yet been seen. Uh, just, just time and time again, there is this thread, even before my coming to Hebron, of God laying on the hearts of his people, um, this idea of being able to impact our students who have more severe needs. So the project that we get to be a part of is creating and building Lions Learning Academy. It is a specialized school for K through 12 to be able to serve students who have extra needs. And so you think specifically about that, we're diving into students who would have cognitive and developmental disabilities, uh, students who need and would thrive from a therapy-based education, um, as well as a, a combination of core academics and life skills to be able to give students truly uh, just a strategic look at who they are, uh, to be able to pour into them from a specialized way, to give intentional advantage into their life for lifelong inclusion and and meaning in their community and in their world. And so the school specifically, K through 12, um, our lower school portion will have 12 classrooms, two per grade level. Our upper school will have 14 classrooms, two per grade level. Uh, We will be looking to serve around 200 students in this space. Um, But I think when we say school, Uh, naturally all of us are going to pull on what we know of school experientially and historically, Uh, but that doesn't really paint the picture correctly of what we're venturing to do. Um, This school is specifically designed with the student's need at the forefront. And so on staff, we will have physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, and ABA therapist uh, right there in the core makeup of our instructors. Uh, the space itself will have a very large room for occupational and physical therapeutic needs, as well as many additional breakout rooms for you think about more needs in the area of fine motor skills, speech and language. Um, If you think about a student who, let's say, is in the third grade, and you think about a typically developed student in third grade, um, and then you compare that to a student that we may be serving here at Lions Learning Academy who doesn't yet have language Language, acquisition, and you think about the desire for inclusion and the importance of that piece, and primarily, what does that student need to focus on? That student needs to be able to develop and have time to develop their language needs, uh, to be able to grow and to be able to learn. 
And so that will be the core makeup of what their day looks like. So a student's schedule will be very individualized based on their needs. So, so does the student need speech daily? Um, does the student need occupational or physical therapy needs? And then building in their reading and their math and their writing alongside of that curriculum. Um, to be able to not only meet the needs of the students, but to also be a service for that family. Right now, if you think about a family that has a child with with these types of needs that we are describing, it becomes the family's life work to care for and to help develop that child. So oftentimes what the day looks like is eight hours in a typical school building. Right now, their choice is public education. That's where the services and the resources are are available. Right now, a lot of these, these families don't have access. They don't even have an opportunity. For Christian right. education. Right. It's an unreached people group, right. you know, is is truly uh, what we have uh, from a from a Christian education standpoint. But so there, there are families that, that go to school eight hours a day, and then after school, they're going to medical appointments, they're going to therapy appointments. Uh, you think about the dynamic that that then has on a family as a whole. And so we really... Um, believe that this Lions Learning Academy will not only be a service to students from an educational standpoint, but also a service to the family uh, by being able to streamline and you think about uh, just the whole picture of family and child. And that approach is so novel. I want to make sure that people understand that in our research over the last couple of years, what we've heard from so many families is that when you have a student with, with, a, with a fairly large deficit, where there, where there's some real academic challenges that they're working with, they're working feverishly mm-hmm. through the whole day, but then they're working feverishly all night That's as right. well. Yes. And so they're kind of collapsing in bed around midnight after a very long day, and tomorrow is going to look the same. That's right. And so our, our, our big approach here is that we want to have a, a therapy-based educational philosophy so that families will actually be able to to not have to do all those things in the evenings because it will actually be a component of their daily That's schedule right. where right. they're going to get all of the six bigs uh, as a part of as a part of their daily educational process uh, that will not just minister to the student but also minister to the family yes. you know yes. where we recognize the importance of Christian community and in this area in this realm that idea of Christian community is going to be even more important. And so the idea of providing programming for parents, the idea of providing opportunities, even in the building design that we're working on, where there are social opportunities for those parents to come in and have a coffee together and be able to talk and share uh, the challenges that they're working through with their kids. Uh, So often what we heard in, in our, in our different conversations with folks through surveys and whatnot, um, was that they felt so alone Mm -hmm. that you feel so isolated because you're seeing all of these other families that are in quotes normal Mm -hmm. and you don't feel like, well, I don't like, I don't get to achieve that. And so that idea of community is so crucial. And so just that being an, an essential fabric of of what we're trying to design is going to impact Christian education. Now tell me a little bit, uh, and you know, I'm asking a question that I already know the answer to, but tell, tell me a little bit about the idea of, uh, uh, you know, why aren't, why aren't more schools doing this? Like, like <laughs> if, if this is something where Christian schools aren't ministering in this capacity, why aren't they? Why, why is this really and truly, uh, the last enormous unreached people group in Christian it's education? It's a very simple answer. 
resources. Right. Uh, the resources that it requires is tremendous. And so it requires an extreme amount, not only of faith, but of vision um, to be willing to see how it could and should work. And, um, you know, one of, one of my favorite books, Visioneering by Andy Stanley, talks about the definition of, of visioneering. And he said, it's a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. And it's not often that you find leaders in administration and a, and a board and a community that that lives and functions and breathes in that way. And so being able to trust um, that the resources that will be required to start and maintain is something that is quote unquote worth the cost. And so really the Lord has brought to our hearts Luke 15. And in Luke chapter 15, you find the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And in that parable, um, as the Lord was just uh, speaking to, to my heart regarding the direction of this program, one of the questions you specifically had asked me was, what is, what is the Lord saying about this, Cassie? And, and, and you encouraged me time and time again to seek the word specifically and what his word was saying regarding this next build. And um, immediately uh, he took me to Luke 15. And you find in that parable that, um, you know, the, the woman is searching for the lost coin. And when she finds the lost coin, this, the text specifically speaks about the celebration and the rejoicing when she found the coin. And then you move on to the parable of the lost sheep. And when the shepherd finds the one lost sheep, there is celebration and rejoicing over the one. And of course, in the parable of the lost son and his return home to the father and the celebration and the rejoicing. And God really highlighted to my heart that Cassie, there is joy found in meeting the need of the exception. And really, I see this as such a work of joy. It's an invitation to joy. It's an invitation um, to step into faith and an invitation to advance his kingdom um, and to give what may be a scary yes to uh, as we submit to what he has revealed to our hearts to do. And the closest model that we saw, we actually had to ship a bunch of you guys uh, over to Wales yes. uh, to be able to really see what a therapeutic model uh, really could look like. Give us a little nutshell on that. Yeah, so here's what we found and why we were drawn to Wales is, is, is again, we have this idea when we say school of what the, what, what the inside of those four walls look like. And as we would have our planning meetings um, and, and really diving into what this should be if we're building something from the ground up, um, there was a level of excellence that, that we had a picture for that we had not yet found. And truly came across uh, this school in Wales, and it is specifically designed for students that have special needs, but it is done with excellence. So let me let me share a little bit about what we saw there that we will also be including in the floor plans of our Lions Learning Academy. So things such as, and this is going to sound bonkers for a moment, to, to use one of your words, Dr. Taylor. <laughs> um, so to include it in our floor plans and what we saw at Wales are rooms such as, now this one may be familiar, 
a sensory room. So a sensory room is just a place for students who struggle with self-regulation to be able to have an environment where they are able to self-regulate by the choices that they make within that space. So our school will have a sensory room, but also included in our school and in what we saw in Wales is a room called the holodeck room. So structurally, the holodeck room is just four walls, um, but the software that is in the holodeck room will allow the space to be transformed into a 3D immersive experience. So that can look like the room transforming into a whimsical forest. So a teacher can bring her students in and they can have an immersive experience while they're reading their current novel. or it can expand to do things such as, you think about our students and their needs. Um, A lot of our students will struggle with change or the unknown. So if you think about a student who may have a medical procedure coming up, this holodeck room can transform into a medical room where you can bring a child in and say, you know, next week when you go in for your surgery, you're gonna see a table that looks similar to this and tools that look like these to be able to begin to acclimate that student to what is to come. the options are really endless. So when I say we're building a school, yeah. I really mean an exceptional right. opportunity. Cutting edge opportunity yes, for, for our to families. really minister to all students. That's right. And That's and right. I love the holodeck, very Star Trekky. Jean Jean Luc Picard would be very, <laughs> that was that was the term that, that the school in I Wales should, used. Yes, yeah, I, I loved like it. I feel like I have to drink my Earl Grey hot. Do you, do you even know the reference to that? <laughs> no, no, you don't. It's Star Trek no. reference. My mom will be so disappointed that I and my <laughs> uncle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll be serving Earl Grey hot in the holodeck, which I love. <laughs> yes, and just to be able to to break down some of those mm-hmm. barriers for kids. Yes. And we'll be able to show them in real time what that can look like. I love. Yeah. Now there's some other additions yeah. which are exciting. Yeah, there's Walk another another things. really special thing. So when we were in in our school in Wales, we asked often if we're building from the ground up, what are the non-negotiables? And we kind of went in with some preconceived ideas. So there at the school, they have a therapy pool. And we went in with with preconceived ideas that, well, we, we surely probably don't need a therapy pool because, again, money, 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 money. We're just seeing the dollar signs add. And when we asked the question time and time again, if you're building from scratch, what are the non-negotiables? The thing that kept coming back up was the therapy pool. And so we just laughed about it. But the reason was, if you think about a student that may have cerebral palsy or difficulties with muscle tone and movement, the ability to have therapy where their bodies right. are weightless, right. it's priceless. You also think about students who struggle, again, with sensory regulation and the ability to be in the water and what that is able to provide for that student. And even the things that are going to be naturally learned from being in a new experience and and therapeutically from, from just a communication standpoint, the what it provides was... Um, really just brought us to a place of saying, this is something that we want to do. And, and, and we even came back and thought, well, maybe we phase it in. But as we continued to pray about it, it was, this needs to be a part of the foundation of the school. So yes, it will have a therapy room. It will have a rebound therapy space with trampoline uh, to help our students in that way as well with their physical therapeutic needs. Uh, it'll have a half court gym, some kinetic spaces for music and for art and the ability to express themselves creatively. Every single classroom will have a space for um, uh, not only the the traditional teaching classroom, and you think about the size of a current lower school classroom um, that would have 15 to 20 students in it, we will have similar class size 
from a floor plan square footage standpoint, but that class will serve seven or eight students only. Um, that gives more, more space for movement and experience. But every single classroom will also have an outdoor space connected to the classroom itself to be able to bring uh, an extension of the classroom. Just the importance of what students learn from being in nature and their connection um, to the outside world, uh, being able to bring that into the makeup of the classroom itself is, is quite unique and, um, and, and frankly, just quite special. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at this kind of this idea of cutting edge education, giving, giving our absolute best, um, and we think about this model, which is a unique model, how does this impact Christian education? Uh. I love that. I love that uh, thought, and I love um, where the Lord has begun to reveal to our hearts. I can't answer that question without referencing Hebrews chapter eleven. You think about uh, the faith chapter, where we hear by faith Noah, when it literally hadn't been done before, when there had not been rain before. Because of what God had revealed to his heart, he built when it had never been done before. By faith, Abraham, out of obedience, stepped into a land that was completely unknown, and that land was to become his inheritance. By faith, by faith, by faith. I believe that we have an opportunity in Christian education to be a part of the by faith story, that that can be living and active in our current life today, just as we have seen in scripture, that we are a part of this by faith story, that by faith Hebron, when it had not been done before, received a revelation and was willing to step forward to not only change the face of Christian education here in our local community, but also for the kingdom. That is something that the Lord continues to lay on our heart is the impact not only for the student, but for the family and the opportunity that we have from a ministry standpoint. We go back to this idea of unreached people group. When I say that, what I mean is so often because of the needs of their children, families are limited and where they are able to to attend on a Sunday morning. Um, So the opportunity to be able to partner with our local churches, to be able to provide not only uh, ministry opportunities, so churches being able to come in and pour into our families in that space, but also the opportunity that we have as a school to partner with our local churches and their special needs ministries to be able to say, you know, hey, why don't you bring your team of of volunteers and we do a two or three day training on how to best serve your, your families and your students to be able to make this an experience where they're able to say yes to a Sunday morning church community that they've longed to be a part of. Um, So when we think about the impact locally, and we think about the impact globally, we also have to recognize the impact for the kingdom. Um, that, that this school and the willing yes um, and the willing step of faith allows us to be a part of witnessing and seeing um, and, and believing for. It's also why in the design that we're working on, uh, there's a large space mm-hmm. where, where you know, mm-hmm. we want to basically a small conference center yes. where we're able to seat about 400 people yes. in rows, about 225 people at tables, because we, we believe with all of our heart 
that there are going to be Christian schools across America who are going to want to see what this looks like. With some of the funding strategies that are in Georgia right now, when we look at the Georgia Goal Program, which is a remarkable mm-hmm. program that's been so helpful for families. When we look at SB 10, that's a couple right. of the other SBs that are out there, it finally provides an opportunity for yes. us to find the funding to make this right. possible for families. For such a time as this. For such a time you as this. Right. And so we're really seeing those things uh, take place. We're seeing in some of our states where even voucher systems are coming uh, online. And, and I, I feel that that will yes. take place in, in a lot of the other states, yes. particularly Georgia. Uh, in this next little while where we're going to have that opportunity from a funding structure to actually provide this for our families. And so we're really excited about what that is. I just, I envision a day when we have in that, in that area uh, where we're, we're entertaining schools from all over the country, leaders who are going back and starting this. Um, What's neat is that our, our founding church Hebron, this has been a part of their DNA the entire time that even on their Sunday mornings, they've always had a program uh, for families who need this kind of service. So they're, so that you avoid that isolation, you know, our, I, this this kind of model for the larger room as well. I took from our friends at the Herzog Mm -hmm. foundation where they're, they're offering up training for Christian leaders, Christian, Christian education leaders at their, at their main campus where they're offering up training in that space so that they can impact Christian education. And that's kind of what I envision. This is that this is a space where we're bringing people through uh, all the time, but then that space also provides us that when we're doing a signing day for our athletes. Mm-hmm. We'll do it over there right. where, where we're mm-hmm. all part of the same community yes. where we have opportunities for service for our, for our high school mm-hmm. kids, our middle school kids to be serving so in, in, in this school for us to be able to, to really and truly live in community together. That's right. And I, I think this kind of grand vision, although the price tag on it is terrifying to me, um, that's the right place for us to be. You know, I, I've mentioned this to you before, and I mentioned to a lot of people is that this next chapter in my life, I, I don't, I don't want to do anything that I feel like I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to live at the point where we're only trying to accomplish things that unless God shows up, it won't That's be done. Right. And so we want to be able to trust in the Lord uh, for those grand ideas. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is going to change our school. This is going to change our city. I believe this is going to change Christian education in the U.S., that we'll become that model of what this education can look like. And uh, I'm so glad to partner with you uh, in this regard. I'm so excited to be able to do walkthroughs, and I'm looking forward to us wearing hard hats and doing tours, you know, of this building, which hasn't even broken ground. And we're still figuring out where it's going to be (laughs) located. Uh, But we do know that God knows all of those things. What are we going to do? Just like we talked about earlier in the segment. That's exactly right. I'm worried about tomorrow. So how do I best prepare for that? I'm faithful today. That's right. So be faithful today and then get ready for tomorrow. And tomorrow, be faithful tomorrow, you know? And so we're going to be faithful. And we're going we're gonna to allow God to accomplish God-sized dreams, mm-hmm. God-sized tasks in our midst. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be privileged as unworthy vessels to That's be right. a part of his kingdom work. Right. Uh, hey, listen, it is such a privilege to serve with you each and every day. Uh, I am excited to see what God has for us in the future. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joy of Leadership podcast. Living in the center of God's will is a rare blessing in today's day and age. Help us share this vital story of passionate leadership. If you would like to comment on the show, or if you know someone who would be a perfect guest, contact us at thejoyofleadership at gmail.com. If you like the show and don't want to miss a single episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.